Hello, and welcome to I Am Dad podcast with your fatherhood authority, Kenneth Braswell. 30 minutes of wisdom, information, resources, and nuggets to help you on your fatherhood journey. Or maybe you're just curious and want to hear some real talk about fatherhood, family, and the minds of men. Well, guess what? We got you too. Sit back, grab your pad and pen, and maybe even bring a little something to sip on. Enjoy 30 straight minutes of fatherhood, family, and fun with the fatherhood authority. Kenneth Braswell. Welcome to I Am Dad Podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Braswell. Thank you once again for joining us on a Sunday morning or whatever time you're listening to us. Most people listen on Sunday and then on Monday and then it ebbs and flows throughout the week. Hey, we welcome you no matter what time you're listening to us. Make sure you download us. Make sure you share us with our friends. If you want to see our great faces, if you're just a podcast person, these things also simulcast on our YouTube page. Um, Go to IamDadPodcast.com and you can find all of the information, all of the shows that we've done. Great, great, awesome context, content. And great friends of mine, like my guest today, we're going to be talking to Sharon Pizzuti. Um, she is the executive director of Cortland Consulting, a child support consulting firm in East Lansing, Michigan. She has more than 35 years of combined government and consulting leadership in child support. Her career includes roles as a public servant for the two largest Michigan child support offices, consulting for the state and federal um, of Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, Federal Department of Labor Bureau of Labor Statistics, and for the Michigan Supreme Court, and much, 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 much more. She's involved in ERITSA. She's wherever child support is, Sharon's there. I've seen this woman's name almost my entire career, everywhere I've gone. And now we have finally become close friends and we share information. And here's the (laughs) other thing you want to know about Sharon as well. And I've never said this to her. I'm going to use this opportunity to say this to her right now. She's a long email writer, right? And so like when she writes emails, (laughs) she writes emails in long form. And I don't know if she's picked up on me or not, but I am not a long email responder. (laughs) It's like, I'll read it. Um, but I'm not writing no email back to you. I'll pick up the phone and call you and talk to you about it. But writing um, in responses is something I do. How you doing, Sharon? I'm great, Kenneth. And uh, anybody that knows me that listens to this will laugh and say, yep, that's Sharon <laughs> with her long <laughs> emails. Um, I think that just comes from like a a place of wanting to share good information when I have it. And I want to make sure that I convey it in a way that it can be used. And and I'm always scared to leave something out because you never know. There might be some rich resource in there that if I pass it along, it can it can really, uh, you know, grow and impact further. So. Oh, no, it's 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 always beneficial. It's always great information. And and I'll be sitting there sometime. Like, I wish I had the patience to, like, write back to it in, like, long form. I was like, I'll just wait till I talk. You could just call me if you need, you know, (laughs) no problem. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me today. Uh, I know it's been a a difficult time to get us on the same schedule, and I'm so glad that this worked out. And this is a great opportunity. Um, So thank you. Absolutely. Talk to me a little bit about your um, professional background and how you became involved in child support outside of what I just said. And so tell people what sure. you don't know about you. Sure. Well, um, so right now I work for a consulting firm. So I'm an executive director at a consulting firm that does child support consulting. But I started on my 18th birthday in uh, Pontiac, Michigan, uh, at the Oakland County Child Support Office, the second largest in the state. Um, and uh you know, worked my way through uh, that office and and learned a lot. I mean, I'll tell you, child support journey began that day, but also a fatherhood journey began that day, mm-hmm. and a growth of 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 who I am in child support uh, began. Um, so I came to child support because um, basically I had uh, family members that were living with me and my parents at the time, uh, and we were trying to help them and they were involved in the child support system. And so when I came into it, I was a pretty young gal and just didn't uh, have the appreciation or knowledge that I do now. Um, 
of the impact and the role of fathers in a child's life and how important it is. And so at that time, I came to child support because, number one, I wanted to enforce child support. I wanted to get mm -hmm. money for these children because I saw, you know, these faces looking back at me that I couldn't fully support. And I was like, where's their dads to pay, you know, and I wanted and I had a punitive idea in my mind of of what that looked like. And this agency was the source to go if I wanted to, uh, you know, basically punish dads who weren't paying. And that was the goal um, at 18. And so I'd like to say I've grown a lot since then uh, and, and came full circle. But um, I worked there for 10 years. I transferred into Detroit to the Wayne County front of the court. Um, and uh, the time that I spent there, just under three years, I learned more in those three years probably than my entire career. That that, that was where the bulk of my knowledge really began to, to grow and expand. Um, and I was able to leverage a lot of the things that I learned about the importance of, of, of a father in a child's life um, and really see that come to fruition. I left and went to consulting and, and was evaluating, um, believe it or not, uh, I was looking at uh, statewide child support systems and handling communications and then working with the feds and doing some uh, consulting work for them, looking at demographic data and looking at uh, the way that the child support system was, uh, you know, in many ways not equitable. And so then I was looking at that and um, I had an opportunity to come up to evaluate the fatherhood program directly in Michigan. Uh, it was a... Um, a grant, federal grant money that came through uh, the Office of Child Support and ended up going through uh, into Wayne County. And so I reflected back on some initial thoughts um, that I learned about fatherhood in Oakland County, my first job. And like, like I said, it started out with that very punitive idea, that that punishment idea. I wanted to hurt the people that were hurting the people I loved. And that was like the motivation. That's the real a background of, of what was happening within me. Um, and I saw, met a lot of people that I work with that felt the same way. They had their own trauma, their own biases, their own ideas that impacted how they did their work. Um, but then I had leadership that was there that were visionary, a uh, couple gentlemen that um, taught me a lot. And um, so we started with the very infancy part of a fatherhood program at that child support office. And the first thing we said was, well, we've got dads who don't know how to be involved. It's not that they don't want to be involved. They don't know how. They don't know how to face this big monolith of a child support office. And how do you even approach it? How do you handle, uh, let alone, uh, you know, um, the support was not, was always out of whack with what they were making. Uh, they weren't uh, able to, some, uh, you know, get a job or find a job or get the skills training to get one. They didn't feel like they were oftentimes um, worthy of being in that fatherhood role because they weren't either employed or not able to navigate that system, right, to be part of it. And so the leadership there said, we've got to get an employment structure. We've got to get, we've got to partner with community members. We've got to get them uh, parenting skills if they need it and they want it. We've got to get them counseling if they need it, mental counseling, substance abuse, whatever it might be. We've got uh, dads who can't get a driver's license for whatever reason. We've got to work with licenses, uh, licensing groups, and we've got to get them their license. We got to find out transportation. We got to work with. We've got a group here in Michigan, Mother Waddles. Got to get them a car. We got to get them. I mean, what were the list of things that were barriers keeping dads from being involved? And so I was entrusted um, to help form a lot of those services and those um, collaborations and and connections. Um, and I saw what that did. And I saw how dads that wouldn't otherwise be involved in their child's life were getting involved. And then personally, I saw um, both the damage of not having involved fathers uh, to my loved ones. And then I saw the, um, in one particular situation, what happened when the father was able to get back involved. And, and the impact that had. And so when I went to Wayne County, I tried to build on those ideas. Um, you know, every state has a different way of handling child support and every county has a different way of child, handling child support. Um, and I can appreciate that. And I've learned a lot about it nationwide now. Um, my journey was in Michigan, but I really have an appreciation for what happens nationwide now and do a lot of research across the nation in the area. 
Um, so building on those fatherhood components that we did there, gosh, you know, back in the day, we even got a guy, um, Dave being a former uh, piston player to come in and being steel. And we said, Hey, will you hire guys that pay that have orders to pay child support? We'll get you the guys. Will you, will you hire them? And, and he was a wonderful partner at the time. This was a long time ago, but, um, and that really, those kinds of forged partnerships in the community are powerful and they can make an impact. And, and those connections need to be made, you know, child support offices need to do that level of outreach, I believe. Um, but, um, you know, I ended up full circle coming into evaluation and looked at that fatherhood program in Detroit, partnered with, you know, the, the head of the Baptist churches in Detroit. We did a lot of outreach. We worked with the local radio stations and did a lot of um, outreach and programming and marketing and um, had DNA testing involved, paternity establishment, worked with the local hospitals, the doctors, uh, worked with local community agencies um, to get uh, services, wraparound services for dad to get him involved from day one. Mm-hmm. Wow. <clears throat> and so there was a lot of work that happened there and I, that just triggered a passion in me and I came full circle and, and wanted to do, and I've basically committed my life to be an advocate in this area in looking at how can we get parents who want to be involved with their children involved and how can child support grow and evolve in such a way that uh, we are not a source of trauma Mm -hmm. and we are not a source of, um, uh, of, of, of pain and, uh, and, and that we actually uh, look at who we're, who we're serving and provide full service operation that they can have. Of course, I had a lot of pushback because funding and policy and legislations and you name, you name it, I've got every barrier there is on that side of the fence, but I'm happy to report, I will say this, Kenneth, is there is a um, monumental shift that is being experienced in child support, not just locally, but nationwide, that I am seeing that I have never seen before in my 35 years to this extent. And what I'm saying is that there is an awakening within child support to create uh, equitable services, to look at areas how uh, how are we uh, helping um, fathers, how are we helping marginalized communities, how are we changing. And so there's money and movement and policy changes pending that I've never seen before, and I, I'm excited to talk to you about it, but as you can see, you know why you get long emails because I'm long-winded <laughs> when you ask me a question. <laughs> oh, no, we're good. I, I, You know, I just wanted to say, first of all, thank you for sharing that um, because those stories sound different coming from different voices, right? Because I'm yes. listening to you tell that story And it aligns with the experience that I had when I first got into this work and was serving as the director of the Fatherhood Initiative for the state of New York within child support enforcement, right? And ah, the stories and people, so when, when you take that juxtaposed to the fact that you started this walk 35 years ago, people don't understand like what the foundation was that built the vast majority of the policies and laws around child support that still exist today, but they disconnect those laws and policies from the culture and the feeling of why people were involved in it in the first place. And so, and it it makes it very difficult. It is why This particular subject is one of the most needed subjects to have, but Mm -hmm. one of the subjects that is the hardest to have because there are so many emotions tied to it, right? And, And you can't get through and everybody has their own thought about what it is and what it's supposed to be and the morals of it and who is hurting. And you said a word. And it's something that I need to share with you because um, I just found out about it yesterday. Some good friends of ours in the state of Maryland just got a law passed 
um, that their newly elected um, governor, Wes Moore, mm-hmm. um, just mm-hmm. passed yes. that deals with um, custody cases as it relates to custodial parents taking their child from one location to another location. And now they've right. enacted a right. law that they have to, that the, it is against the law for a custodial parent to do that without notifying both the courts and the parent so that there can be an emergency hearing to determine whether or not that is something that can take place. That is, mon- to your point about monumental shift, that is monumental. It's a, people would say, that's a really, really small thing. It sounds like that should have happened a long, long, long time ago. It didn't. But one of the things that the guy who actually stimulated this, um, Darren, who was a reporter um, in Maryland, after he talked about the story, after he told, uh, talked about the passing, he told his story. And one of the yeah. things he said at the end of his story was now I feel compelled to tell this story to help people understand the pain I had and the pain I still live with. That was, it was just, I cried watching that the other day, um, listening to him tell his story and thinking about all of the individuals that carry that level of pain or something that they believe that they actually have no power whatsoever in changing. Do you see a lot of that? I, I do, and I have. Um, it's part of the reason I deeply miss being in, directly in a child support office. Um, my um, Speaking to that specifically in Maryland about removal of domicile is what the language is, legal language is for that, but that many states already have that law in place where you, and, and that's just written in that into every child support order where you cannot remove a child out of state. It's called removal of domicile. You have to go before the court if you're going to ask to move your child out of state or even out of within a, so many miles of the other parent. Um, of course, that assumes that there is some kind of um, the least minimum of joint legal custody in place, but that's another story. I just want to let you know there are other states that have had laws on the books for decades for that area. That. But I'm so glad. I'm so glad that, that Maryland <laughs> is in moving in that direction. Um, but you asked me about you know where I'm seeing that. I think we we are all called to do what we need to do for a reason. And the path that we're on is not an accident. I mean, I happen to be a faith-filled person. So um, I truly believe that there's a calling on my life to move in this area and that I'm uh, living according to the purpose that was designed for me. I'm still following, trying to follow into it every day and be brave enough to step into it, you know, but um, I, it means it meant something deeply to me when I would handle a um, a grievance, because a grievance is something like I'm exhausted. I've done everything I can. I'm filing a grievance, right? And so my favorite job, out of all the jobs I've done in child support, is when I handled the grievances. Give me the hardest case you've got. I'm gonna troubleshoot, and it was. Being able to take a situation that looked like it was impossible, that looked like it couldn't be redeemed or restored, and taking that and 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 shifting that in a completely opposite direction, where I can have a an actual hand in helping a family reconnect and utilize the free child support services that are available to them, right, and and help them to understand how that can help them, right. So um, it really has a form, formed and shaped me. Um, I do miss the face-to-face contact with parents that are living this day-to-day. I absolutely understand the pain of having to go through it. And honestly, anything I can do to alleviate that in the channels that I'm in, help them with, uh, you know, if I see someone doing a fatherhood program and they're doing the work, like I told you right before this call started, if they're doing the good work, let me connect with them. Let me get them to the right people. Let me get that voice on there. Let me help magnify the impact they're trying to have. Let me help, um, you know, point them in the direction. What are they looking for? Are they looking for connections, funding, child support, education, opportunities, training, uh, do they need to get on a stage and sh- share their story? Uh, they're looking for publishing, you know, whatever it might be. 
I just, uh, I have a drive to help and, and it comes from a place of, um, a commitment to working in child support my whole life mm-hmm. and, and now working to serve all children and all families. <laughs> Let's so. take a step back, um, just for folks who, um, who have found themselves deep in the system of child support and trying to figure out, figure it out, but they don't really know what child support is and they don't really know what child support is for. They don't really know who is for. They're not really clear what it is trying to accomplish. Can you take that person through understanding some basics about child support so that they at least have a foundation to move from as opposed to always being stuck in the pain of being in the midst of it. Oh gosh, there's one thing I did not prepare for today. And there's a book, small book. And I say small on purpose, not like my long emails, um, understand child support. And it was written by two dear friends of mine. And before this podcast ends, I'm going to find it because I want to put that out. It's available. Literally it's cheap. It's on Amazon. And it's, it's, I believe the title is understanding child support, but I'll find it. Don't worry. <laughs> but nonetheless, let me go back. Um, I am not able to represent, I can't represent like a federal program or a state program or any program. Like I said, I'm in consulting now. So all I can do is say, you know, my personal knowledge and experience. Okay. So in Michigan, um, in 1918 in Southeast Michigan, um, child support act was passed and legislation was passed 1919. It was passed statewide. Um, the national child support program was not established until 1975. Mm -hmm. So um, I have a different perspective because I'm homegrown, right, in Michigan. Um, So we have the oldest child support program. Um, It was built for uh, a lot of reasons that aren't, um, you know, and for people that are not the same people and families we're serving today. Um, I just was at a meeting recently, and we were talking about, like, there's a lot of uncovering of history, as you might imagine, across all social structures, right? A lot of history has been wiped. A lot of history has been altered in some way. And a lot of stories have been lost. And so in the uncovering and the researchers that I work with um, from a variety of firms um, are saying that the child support program in 75 was built for white women who uh, whose husbands were either gone or left them. And they were looking for uh, help getting child support. There wasn't necessarily a welfare component. Um, there wasn't necessarily anything built to address poverty issues or impoverished communities or uh, any families of color. Uh, that was not part of the basis of the entire child support system when it was built. That was the legislation that went through, and it was to help white women whose, whose husbands had had left. It wasn't even looking at paternity cases, right, where you're unmarried parents. And so you have to look, and if you start looking deep enough, all the structures that are in place now have um, structural inequities in them because of the basis on which they were built. But child support was built for that, and it has evolved over the years because as the welfare system continued to evolve, many states have a mandatory reporting requirement meaning if you get SNAP or you get welfare, you know, or any kind of um, child care benefits, whatever it might be, um, you have a mandatory reporting requirement for the person receiving it. If it happens to be the mom with the kids, then she has a um, requirement to name a father. And then that father gets named and the child support order is issued. Um, And so those are a lot of out of wedlock situations. If mom and dad are married, and they're a married unit, and they're separated or, or divorced, um, then there is no need for establishing paternity. Paternity is assumed in, in, in most states, and um, an order can be established that way. And so child support uh, receives something called 4D funding, and it's the Roman numeral IV hyphen D funding. And what does that mean? It just means the Social Security Act uh, established funding uh, through the Federal um, Administrative for Children and Families Office of Child Support, funding comes through there and goes to each state. And they allow 66% funding to every state for their 4D child support program. And there are certain things that are allowable under that program. I am not an expert in this. I'm just telling you from based on, I mean, I'm sure there might be a fact checker listen and bless them. And if they find a good fact, send it my way. Um, But I can tell you that that 66% is dedicated for particular functions 
And it does not include parenting and custody time. It includes child support and child support enforcement, establishment, modification, and enforcement. And so that is what it's built in. It is built to address both folks that are divorced and have a child support order or folks that have a paternity. They're not, never married and have a child support order. And it is built to enforce those orders and also help in some ways with uh, obtaining medical insurance um, or other things that the court may order. Um, many states, their child support offices are not judicial based. Some are privatized. Some are state based. Some run through their attorney general's office. Some have just their office of child support. Some are very heavily county driven and each county has its own set of um, local statutes that they operate under. But nonetheless, that 66% that comes from the feds goes to the state, then the state has some way to administer those funds and get those funds down to the counties. Now, one of the things my entire life of child support that I've always pushed against um, is the fact that parenting time and custody somehow got separated in the child support world from mm -hmm. child support. I, I can't fathom it in my mind because I grew up in a system and in a state that where it was integrated, at least 50% of the state was integrated, meaning that the orders automatically, whether it was divorce or paternity, automatically have child support and custody language in them. That's standard. It's either proposed language because it's based on social works uh, research that says for this age group, here are proposed parenting time guidelines, or it's guidelines that state whatever the parents agree upon. Um, there's always a statement as to who has legal custody and who has physical custody, where the child lives. If it's shared parenting, shared custody, joint and legal, then it states it, whatever the agreement might be made. But there's standard language in those orders. So I grew up eating, living, breathing that. And when my mind opened and I started serving on these national and regional uh, councils and moved up to the boards and did all that and met all the directors of all the child support programs, I started learning that that was like either it was a list, it was on their dream list to change in the, for their program, or it was something they absolutely didn't want to speak about because they can't even handle just doing the child support because of the staffing and the things and the, all the challenges that come with having a child support program mm -hmm. and, and the, the heaviness of that. So um, there is movement. It's going to take a lot that changes laws. you got to get lawmakers educated. Part of what I do in serving on the various um, organizations I serve on is I help uh, write language that gets reviewed by lawmakers um, so that they're educated about that. Um, the National uh, Child Support Enforcement Association, now called National Child Support Engagement Association, one of those moves again from enforcement to a different place. Um, not that they're not there's not enforcement and child support, but there's language movement and and that that means something. Um, but they offer um, we do these things called quick facts, and those quick facts are available publicly on the website. Any lawmaker can go to it, any public person can go to it and look at it. And they're basically like two page quick facts that say this is parenting time. This is how child support agencies address it across the nation. This is how we address um, incarcer uh, uh, incarcerated parents moving into, uh, you know, when they're when they're coming out of incarceration, how we handle that in child support. And there's all these different topics, you know, dozens that are available. And we write white papers and research, and we gather the best researchers in the country to 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 do that. And believe it or not, on a volunteer basis. <laughs> so there's a lot of people like me that just care about it. They're not necessarily doing it. It's not about a money thing. They just they want the information available. So um, for people that don't know the child support system, um, I'm um, uh, Jeff Ball and Marianne Wellbank are the authors of the book that um, was published um, called Understanding Child Support. And I know it's on Amazon, and, and I can probably get you a link, Kenneth, and I'll email yeah, it. You can put it it's on our website so that people can go to the yeah. website to find it. Question for you. Now, you attend, you mentioned... Um, NCO, and then there's a RITSA, and then there's a thousand other um, organizations that locally, uh, regionally, and nationally um, deal with mm -hmm. child support. But when you're at these gatherings um, with these individuals, what, um, from your vantage point, has been some of the biggest conversations that people are having or and or interested in? Like, what is the driving conversations today? 
it has shifted dramatically and I love it. Um, I see fatherhood programs on the agenda every time, uh, nationally, regionally, locally. I see trauma-informed practices uh, commonplace. I see um, how to drive um, equity, how to create equitable child support programs, how to create inclusive child support programs. Where are we at? How? What are our our practices? And and do we in, incorporate uh, you know diversity into our practices and and language and and processes that we have in place? I see um, a lot of movement in collaborations. Um, you know, there's a National Tribal Child Support Pro, uh, Association that I work with, and there's 574 federally recognized tribes. Only 60 have child support programs. But I see the child support programs and tribal programs doing collaborations and partners with partnerships with states because there's this whole movement about collaborating and partnering that exists now that just is wasn't there before. And then there are on these stages and in these conversations talks about how to make those collaborations. One major thing that I see on the platform right now um, is uh, the elevation of family input into uh, TANF and child support programs. Now, other programs that are federally funded have always had parent input, right? Uh, that's commonplace in how they how they roll, and that it's very limited in child support and TANF. And so, there's actually the Administration for Children and Families just funded a toolkit that is prepared and available for the public on the ACF website, um, I forwarded it to you, you have it. But um, basically that toolkit identifies ways to get families input on your child support program. And that is part of the discussion. How, what do these family and parent advisory boards look like? What's the structure? How are we taking then the feedback from you know moms and dads about the child support program and what are we doing to make changes? Um, there are recommendations that are published, and those are getting on the stage talking about those. Um, I'll tell you, our current Office of Child Support um, com federal commissioner uh, speaks often about her three Ps. Her uh, She addresses performance, people, and process. And one of her th top three priorities is fatherhood engagement. Mm. And that... She's a powerful, amazing woman. Um, well, she came from one our of state. My, one of, yeah, Tangela <laughs> Gray from Georgia. All right. But she's uh, she's a hero to me um, because she speaks from a learned place and she, her, she takes her passion uh, to to the work that she does. And she's having a dramatic impact in child support. And I love it. I mm. love it. She, um, you know, we when she was here before they gobbled her up and took her to D.C., we were beginning mm -hmm. to um, form some familiarity with each other, particularly Fathers Incorporated and the work. I mean, because we have a contract with Child Support in the state of Georgia now and we provide careers yes. for their fathers. And so but we're also in the beginning stages of dealing with this issue of legitimation. And so it's still the only state in the country that has a two. Um, um, layer process, one of them being administrative, the other one being um, judicial for a father, a non-married father to be the legal father of their child, which causes all kinds of issues, including challenges that fathers have with child support, doing what they feel is having to pay child support without having the benefit of having the other things like custody and parenting time. So that's a conversation for a whole nother day. Um, but when you think about the work that is happening across the country in those spaces that you just described. Where's the disconnect between some of that great work that, it, that is making movement towards reforming some of these policies and laws and the individuals on the ground who feel like no one is speaking for them? Okay. Um, so Child support programs that want to address parents' time in custody at this time, it requires a waiver or a special grant. And so if they have the wherewithal, the vision, the ability, their leadership is open to it, they can apply for a waiver or a grant and incorporate parenting time and custody services into their child support program. 
as you might imagine, there's a lot of recruitment and retention issues within every industry, you know, uh, but, but, but child support, especially. And, and so that's an issue, um, in most child support, not all, but in, in most that I'm aware of. Um, in fact, that's one of the things that's on the table at the conferences is recruitment and retention. And how do we get, uh, frankly, a lot of re- uh, recruitment is looking at how do we get more fathers employed in child support offices? Mm-hmm. How do we get more, 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 more men in the child support? Office? How do we make it more an equitable workplace? Um, so, I think what you asked me was that uh, the parenting time in custody, you know, the people on the ground that think that they can't get anything heard. I think that there's a way that they have to communicate with both their local leaders and their state leaders. And then, of course, they're, you know, uh, you can't auto auto go to the Fed leader because (laughs) there's protocols. She's got to make sure that, you know, the state has been contacted and the state needs to make sure the county's been contacted and all that protocol, you know, the the stuff that gets in the way uh, that we wish we could just bypass and and go rogue. But we can't. And um so, uh, but if there's an effort in their state, if they're a listener and they're looking at parenting time in custody, the first thing to do is to contact their local child support office where their child support order is and to ask what parenting time and custody services are available. Some don't offer it up front. Maybe they don't even know that there's a need and maybe they have a contract with someone who's handling that and they can put someone in place with that. Maybe they have a social worker on site that they've somehow collect, you know, got funding for that's there to help recommend parenting time in custody and meet with the parents to talk about, you know, what do you agree on? Here's some ideas of things, you know, have you thought about this? Would you be willing to put that into an order? Okay. Are you guys willing to sign? Let's get that, you know, whatever their local process is to get an order signed. Um, some don't even need to court to court. The child support office themselves can do it. So it's, like I said, it's different across the nation. Um, a lot of times I have people call me, obviously with them family and friends, right? Always calling me like, Sharon, I got a child support <laughs> question. And I, I never say no, I swear. I never, and I never have. I, I'm, I'm that person in the elevator that's like, where do you work? And I'm like, child support. You know, I'm not, I'm not ashamed. I'm like, what, what can I do? How can I, how can I help you? You know, um, but you know, a lot of times I get questions about paternity establishment. I'm aware that George is the only one with legitimation, but paternity establishment education is strong now, stronger than ever. I see paternity establishment programs partnering with fatherhood programs in almost every state. Like they're all reaching out to their local fatherhood programs for education about the importance of establishing paternity. And then they have that connection somehow in different states, it's different, but to connection to child support that can then get you the education and the information that you need regarding parenting time, custody, child support orders, those sorts of things. So there's the paternity establishment program, whether it's established at the hospital right then and there, or it's happening through a vital records office or however that's ha- however that looks in your state um i think that um that's another uh, avenue and a, a movement that i see happening more education um another thing i want to say is um the, there are so many conferences and i find i find these conferences a way a powerful way to network and connect with people. And thankfully, I still have a halfway decent memory that I can then remember that, oh, I remember who I met at this conference. And I really think that there's a reason why this person needs to talk to this person and they need to connect. So we bring in, um, we have panels of um, parents that come on stage at the national and regional conferences. Um, We have um, fatherhood programs that are featured. Um, If there's listeners um, and they're trying to figure out how do they break into it? Well, um, I know that even like Michigan, we're having our Wide World of Fathering Conference, uh, May 16th through 17th. It's an online conference. You go to Eventbrite and sign up. Anybody can sign up for that Michigan Wide World of Fathering. But then there's a, 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 a Fatherhood Research and Practice Network um, webinar, May 16th talking about the architects of father policies and programs, California, Ohio, South Carolina, Oregon, fatherhood programs are going to be featured there, researchers and practitioners. These are online available information that I think that we can 
um, give to people who are craving more knowledge and wanting connections so that they can make a change in what they're doing, whether they're building a fatherhood program or they're a dad trying to get information, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's an annual international fatherhood conference coming up June 6th through the 8th, um, National Partnership for Community Leadership, NPCL is putting it on. It's the 25th annual. Um, And the uh, author of a co-parenting curriculum and a fatherhood development curriculum is going to be there. Jeffrey Johnson, he graduated from U of M, plugged to Michigan. And, uh, <laughs> and um, but he's going to be there. And so every conference I go to, the National Child Support Engagement Association Conference, we have fatherhood on the plenaries. Um, we just had a policy forum conference in Washington, D.C., gentleman named Charmaine Harris was on. He wrote a book called Working with Dads, Seven Practical Steps to Engaging Fathers and Family Services. He had the full stage and the full audience was directors of child support, uh, local workers, lawmakers, researchers, and, um, uh, you know, standing ovation because they're craving the information, right? They're craving it and they want to talk to who's lived it. Mm-hmm. So, they, they want it. I can see it. You know, we have a, uh, you're going to be in a uh, parents workshop, incarcerated parents workshop. We're doing together, uh, with, um, uh, Gary Gamble at the Eastern regional intergovernmental child support conference on the stage. You're going to be there. We're going to be talking with folks. A lot of fatherhood program folks are going to be in that audience. Um, and dads who come to the conference. Yeah. I'm excited um, about that. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a there's a Western one. Each state even has their own child support conference and they've got education and opportunities for parents to participate. You know, uh, so anyway, I think there's a lot of opportunities to get educated, Mm -hmm. to get on a stage, to get Uh connected. Um, I'm always happy to point someone in the right direction. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, you know, a couple of things that you were um, alluding to. So, um, Last week, a week before last, I was at the Potter's House of Fort Worth. Um, they had a um, their third annual returning citizens conference um, in Dallas. Okay. And I had the pleasure of, for the first time ever, bringing I Am Dad podcast on the road. Um, oh, and I was wonderful. Able to do my podcast there, you know. Good. It's a little difficult because I wasn't in the right place. If I was in the right place, I could have gotten so many more, so many other voices um, to speak about that particular subject matter. But it's actually something that I'm going to follow up with you because I would love to come to um, Charleston and do I Am Dad live there and interview people who are on the ground. It's one of the reasons, Sharon, that I started I Am Dad podcast. I actually right. want this thing to become the vocal voice of responsible fatherhood, meaning I'm interviewing yes. all of the greatest, the, the minds, the innovators, the influencers, the foundation people, the regular folks, the dads, moms, anybody mm-hmm. who can raise this conversation of responsible fatherhood. I want I Am Dad podcast yes. to become that particular um, voice. And so that's something that I'm working really hard at. The other thing that we're doing um, for Fathers Incorporated um, here in Georgia is mm-hmm. we're really, um, so I'm talking specifically about Georgia, but ultimately I'm going to be talking about this from a national perspective. And that is one of the things that I think that we have not done a great job in is creating resources specifically for dads that speak their language about these issues. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. uh, we are going to launch, I'm not sure when we're going to launch it, our Papa University. And our Papa University is going to be our virtual online university for okay. fathers where they can go and get brochures from everything from having difficult conversations um, in yeah. my co-parenting experience, how to deal with a um, how to deal with child support, how to do you name it. I probably have now 50 subject matters, 60 brochures and guides that I have to create yeah. that I've accumulated over time that we want to create so they can actually come to a library and get their answers, uh, get right. their questions answered on a basic level. So this week we're actually right. launching two publications. One is a brochure. The other one is a guide. And we're we're launching a guide, Understanding Legitimation in the State of Georgia for Non-Married 
um, parents and it speaks mm-hmm. right to them. It starts off speaking yeah. that language. And then the second thing we're going to do, only because we've also started a large legitimation service within Fathers Incorporated, is that as we listen to the guys and they go through our workshops and they work with Georgia Legal Aid and the Georgia State mm-hmm. University mm-hmm. Georgia lawyers, mm-hmm. and they get their entire, Sharon, hear me, hear me when I say this. Mm-hmm. They get almost $7,000 worth of services free to get their petition done to submit it to the court. Mm. And 65% of our fathers never submit it. And guess why they don't submit it? They, sub- they don't submit them because they don't want to disrupt the relationship that they have with the mothers of their children. So we've been having these conversations about we need to release that obstacle between them and the mothers. And so we actually created a brochure that's called Embracing Legitimation for Moms to actually help them understand what the legitimation process is about, who it's for, and how all three entities benefit from legitimation, her, the child, and the dad. And so we're looking at expanding our fatherhood services to begin to start creating bridges that get us to begin to working with the custodial parents as well Mm -hmm. on whether it's communication, relationship, I can't get along with you, financial stability, whatever those cross bridge needs are between the dad and the mom, we want to serve those areas so that we're creating a healthy um, unit of parents for the child Mm -hmm. themselves. Always focused on fathers. We're always going to be focused there. But what we're learning now is you can provide all the services that a father needs to become the best father he wants to be in the life of his child. But if you're not helping him with his relationship with the mother of his child, that stuff means nothing at all. And so as you, this is my last question for you. As you look at the work and as you look at um, fatherhood emerging in this conversation around fatherhood, um, what is the one challenge that fatherhood organizations can help you with to help the field of child support understand more about fathers, be educated more about fathers, or encourage and or inspire them more to work on behalf of fathers? What's that one thing that you think we could do to help with that? Has to be one thing. <laughs> no, you could do you could do you could do eight, but let's start with one. You no, do eight, but no, start with I'm one. I'm trying to think uh, what's the best thing. I, that's what I'm trying to get at. Um, I see change happen within child support. Um, good change when. Child support listens to parents and there's these, I think these opportunities for families to give input. I talked about a toolkit and the federal money behind that and each state coming up with opportunities to where they can provide input. I think that if I try to pretend like I'm not in child support for a minute and just put a different hat on and I'm just on the street and I, I'm having difficulty with my case, unmarried or married, whatever, divorced, whatever. And I I would reach out to that child support office, to the leadership there, and I would say, I'd like an opportunity to give a parent's voice on the program. If there are any opportunities I need to do, I would like the opportunity to do that. It's important. I'm a committed parent. I want what's best for my child. I'm trying to serve that in, in a way and do everything I can to be the best possible person I can for my kid, for my child. And so I'm putting my child first. I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to get to that that place. And so I think it's important. I always tell, especially dads that call me and say, what do do I do? What do I do? I'm like, if it's the truth and that lives within you, if the truth is, nine times out of 10 it is, that I want to do what's best for my child, 
I'm committed. I'll work in any way with the mom of the child. Um, but I need tools and I need help and I need to know what tools you can provide me and, um, whether or not it's free mediation services, free legal services, or paid, whatever might be available. Cause a lot of child support office have partnerships with mediation services now and that are free. And they also have partnerships with, um, with legal aid. Uh, Michigan has a phenomenal legal aid program, but, um, anyway, um, I would, I would make that earnest letter and I would make sure that that gets to somebody that's in leadership at your local child support office, the person that that's, you know, on your case. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot of letters come through with that level of realness and compassion for their own family, for their child. They're, you know, when child support messes, it messes with your kids and your wallet. You can't get any more potent than that. Right. And it's a trigger. And you want to trigger somebody's trauma? Well, let's just talk about that right now, you know, and then that's, and so the response back that they usually get is pretty triggered response and, you know, it's loaded, right? Um, And uh, I remember being on the switchboard and getting the call and I would have to let them um, release everything. And they would just have to go off and every other word would have to come at me. And thankfully, I, like I said in the beginning, I'm a faith-based person, so I know what my identity is. And, uh, you know, but people don't <laughs> shake me too bad. I'm pretty firm in, in, in where I stand and who I think, who I know I am. And so I let that all happen. And then once they get that all out and I say, but I'm here to help you, how can I help you? You know, and so that takes a lot of tolerance and patience and it takes a lot of understanding and who you are as a person. And so taking that into account when you're dealing with a child support office, think about the person on the other end. I know it's a lot to ask. Why should they have to? I understand. Why should a parent have to think about who the child support worker is? But the child support worker already is overtasked and overdone and just be human with them and focus on how best. Can you do what you need to do for your child? Everything points back to that. Everything points back uh, to, to, to that. And you want to get a partnership with whoever it is you're dealing with at your child support office to partner with you on doing what's best for your child Wow! to the extent that they can. Sharon, you are amazing. Um, I am so glad to be in this right you. with you. Um, we're going to change the world. We're going to help a lot of people together. Um, and oh, I, and that's I'm, the plan. We've got to put the right people together and make the yeah, right yeah, thing yeah, happen. Yeah. And you'd be also <laughs> happy to know that I spoke to Sherman yesterday. Him and I was going back and forth. So I'll be interviewing him in another couple of weeks and getting him on um, and talking about his story and uh, several other individuals. There's several other spaces of this work that I'm emerging myself in, um, including education, um, infant mortality which is huge um, with um, women losing their lives um, on the birthing table. Um, And they're leaving a lot of, not they're leaving, that's not the right way to say that. A lot of single fathers are finding themselves in the position of being single fathers because their wives, girlfriends are not living past the birthing of a child. And so I'm working with a guy now because next week is postpartum, uh, postpartum depression awareness week and so looking at how do we elevate this conversation of fatherhood and how do we elevate this conversation of male caretaking um, for our families and so um, the work is never ending um, but it is a for me it is a uh, work of labor of love I can never serve enough um, and I'm going to keep serving until I can't serve anymore but I think that there's also a need and that's why I love, even though I don't respond to long email, email <laughs> I love them because it yeah. is a level of articulation and planning that has to go into doing this because the monster is so big. And it's, when I say monster, I'm not talking just about child support. I'm talking about right. family. Right. Environment right. for families to strive. That monster is so big. Um, that mm-hmm. it is um, oftentimes overwhelming uh, when you get up and think about all the things that you have to do in a day um, to impact the people that you serve. So thank you so much for doing what you do. Um, let's give everybody your contact information and any last sure. words that you might have for our I Am Dad podcast listeners. 
Sure. Um, well, I'm Sharon Pizzuti. Last name is P-I-Z-Z-U-T-I. You can find me on the social media channels that way. But my email is probably the best way to get me. I'm pretty responsive. I'll try not to send long ones. I am working on editing, trust me. Uh, it's uh, P like pizza, I-Z-Z-U-T-I-S at courtlandconsulting.com. Portland, C-O-U-R-T-L-A-N-D, consulting.com. Kenneth, thanks for, uh, this is an honor to spend time with you. I could talk for hours. There's like, I literally wrote down 12 things I want to talk to you about. We'll come back. We'll come back. Keep them, put them, create a file for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a dear friend who is uh, runs a doula program in Detroit, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, fatherhood in the doula program. And oh, the my goodness. Jan, please stop, stop, stop right there. I'm actually interviewing somebody in a couple of weeks um, out of Philadelphia, uh, my good friend Joel Austin. He's with Daddy University. And for the yeah. last year, he's been talking about this doula thing, and he's been talking about the need for more males to be in doula. And I haven't been yeah. able to wrap my head around it. I'm like, wait, what? Like we're going to be doing what with men to train them to do what? Isn't that kind of yeah. counter um, counter to what we're trying them not to do? <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. getting them in the issue in the first place. He's like, nah, it's not. I was like, don't even tell me. I said, but we need to have that conversation because I'm beginning to hear it more and more and more. Well, you know, I'll send you that connection too. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's what we do. We got to do it. That's that's the that's where the work flies. I got to tell you really quick. Um, so uh, I I've got two 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 daughters, and um, uh, my dad uh, passed away eight years ago yesterday. So I was very blessed to have a dad who 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 poured into me, who taught me work ethic, who had a million flaws. And taught me how to be and how not to be. And uh, so I'm very um, blessed uh, that I had the father I did. Uh, he was one of 17 children, uh, grew up on a farm, spent most of his uh, childhood in a hospital. He was injured and really had um, a lot of perspective from that. Mm. And so I have a, a, a deep appreciation and a deep passion for serving others because of the training that I received from my dad. Um, like I said, parents teach you how to be and how not to be, and both are equally valuable. Absolutely. Um, and so I, I am very blessed. Um, I want to leave you with a quote that I just heard from one of my favorite artists of all time. I don't know if you know this. I used to be a jazz musician. So Wynton Marsalis is like one of my what? heroes. <laughs> and he, yeah. So he spoke at uh, University of Michigan and he gave the commencement speech. Mm-hmm. And I heard this. And I immediately, I know if it triggers me, if I start to cry, I know that it hits my heart. So I, I, this one hit my heart for sure. And it's, um, he said to the, to the class, graduating class at U of M, you are a bridge, a powerful translator between the generations of your family, of this institution and of our way of life. And I thought it's so beautiful. I love what he was talking about. He went on further to say about how families are being torn apart and families are being, you know, um, you know, demonized, the support systems are being demonized and how, how, what we need to do about that. And he talked about, um, intelligence and humanity and having soul. And I just have to say that you, um, ring true in all those areas uh, to me. And that is why I continue to connect with you because you have such, uh, humility and, and intelligence and, and soul and humanity. And I just, I really appreciate it. I'm so thankful for this connection and I hope and pray something that uh, I said uh, helps somebody in this and uh, always happy to come back again. And, and thank you so much for making this time for me. No, thank you. I appreciate you. And I can't wait to see you um, in a f- couple of weeks. And I owe Gary, yeah, Savannah. Uh, uh, I owe <laughs> Gary a file. He sent me something a couple of days ago. It's actually already done. I just got to put it, push it together and then send it. I think I'm, I think he said when I'm done with it, send it to you. And so um, you'll yep, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I'm excited. Before the weekend. So thank you so much, um, all of you um, listeners today. Um, I'm Kenneth Braswell. I am Dad Podcast. Make sure you go to our website, IamDadPodcast.com to see all of our shows. Leave your comments, please. Comments, comments, comments. If you have comments, that really helps in me thinking about um, who to bring to the table if they're people's um, voices that you would like to hear. Let me know who they are. Um, there's only in this space about one degree of separation between me and anybody that you can um, send to me. Um, there's probably even less of that between Sharon and the world. And so between the two of us, we can get who you want to hear. 
But until next mm-hmm. time, God bless you. See you soon. Thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us. You've been listening to I Am Dad Podcast. We hope that you have been informed, encouraged you to think, or even inspired your heart for the love of dads. The conversation does not end here. Come back and join us next week. Same time, same place. Or you can continue the dialogue on our I Am Dad Facebook page. We also invite you to listen to past episodes, learn more about us, and keep up with special activities by visiting IamDadPodcast.com. That's IamDadPodcast.com. Until next time, I leave you with this reminder of manhood from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Because of this reminder, I will always understand that I am dad, period.